super excited about today. You know, we started putting out some more chairs after the last couple of weeks, and we find ourselves putting chairs out still today. And so that's just, come on, somebody. Y'all doing all right today? Today is the, uh, the wrap-up of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who's been on board with us and on that journey along with us. Come on, how many of y'all feel like God has done something in your life in the last 21 days? And some of you might be like, Pastor Wade, I have no clue what you're talking about. Well, that's okay, because we've been praying for you. So you've been in on it, and you didn't even know. Look at your neighbor and say, you didn't even know. You didn't even know. I want to go to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Last week, we used Romans 8. And there was one verse at the end that we read, the end of the scripture reading, that I want to start with today. And I feel like the Lord has given me a message that is timely and timeless. I feel a little pressure today. I really do, but I like it because that means something good is going to happen in here. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 Uh, I'll back up a little bit so that you can hear some of what we shared last week. It says, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And last week we talked about how the Holy Spirit wants you to see more than anything that God is your father. He's a good father and that you are his son and daughter. And the Holy Spirit is working hard to convince you of that. How many of y'all are hard-headed and need a little extra work? How many of y'all sitting next to somebody you know they need a little extra? I know, right? I agree. I know that guy too. He needs a little extra. No, it ain't her. It's you. And so, verse 17. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, and I need you to hang on to that throughout the message today. Together with Christ. And we're going we're gonna to revisit that later on at the end of the message. Together with with Christ. We are heirs of God's glory, but if we are to share in his glory, we must also share his suffering. My, my. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. So I want you to say this this morning. Say present pain, future glory. Say that again. Present pain, future glory. Father, thank you for this day. We know you have something in store here. And Lord, I need help today to share this because this is where people are in their lives. And it's bigger than what we read in books. The solution that we need is beyond a man, beyond a trained professional even. Father, we need you, and today I'm asking for the grace to share this message with everyone in this place and those watching online, that they can experience you, the God who can do anything, that when we talk about miracles, that you can do anything in us. You can heal broken hearts. You can heal wounded minds. You can restore relationships. You can set captives free. Father, I'm thanking you that in this house today, there will be freedom. There will be healing. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. 
amen and amen. I want to start with a statement, and, and I just want to set the course of the message with this statement, that our purpose that we have, that God has given us, is greater than any pain that you may have endured throughout your life. And this is important to know because there is such um, uh, overlying this, this cloud, if you will, of pain that I believe that people are facing in their lives in one way or another. And usually we do not like to talk about it because when we talk about it, we have to relive some things that we just don't want to relive. Amen? It's like, can we just move on from this, Pastor? Can you talk about the joy of the Lord instead? And I do want to talk to you about the joy of the Lord. But there are some things that we must talk about that you you must see or else there's a possibility that you can remain held hostage to something that Jesus went on the cross to set you free from. And many of the things that we do with our lives, believe it or not, is an attempt to try to be better. And so there are certain things that we get into, certain decisions that we make, whether they're good or not so good, all with the attempt to try to fix something that was broke in our lives. And so today, as I share this message, what I've been praying for, and many others, by the way, have been praying for, is that people will experience healing in their lives and inner healing in their lives. And, and yes, of course, we want to see people healed of diseases and all of the different diagnoses from doctors and miracles in their bodies. But one of the things that is very difficult to talk about isn't just a miracle of a sickness being healed or a miracle of something in the body being healed, but it's a miracle that takes place in our soul. It's a miracle that's in our soul that needs to really happen. And no doubt facing as much as we have over the last few years, I feel like it has just escalated things with people emotionally as well as mentally. And how many of you have found it a little bit more difficult to get past some things emotionally than maybe it was five years ago? I mean, I don't know what it is. I felt like I was a pretty emotionally stable person. You may argue with that, but I felt pretty good about it. Seriously. Now I find myself like having to deal with the emotions. You know what I'm talking about? It wasn't neglect. It was just, it's like in your face now. And I have noticed that over the last few years that many people are facing things in their lives. And I'll just say it like this. It's just hard to get past. It's hard to get over it. And you're telling yourself, I don't know about you. I have a lot of internal conversations. And I talk to me different than I talk to y'all. I just have to be honest with you. Like when I talk to me, I say things like this. Hey, man, you just need to get over it. And can I say, a few of you, you need to hear that. You just need to get over it. And I'm not being mean. I'm just telling you, you need to change your tone and get a little more direct. Others of you, you're beating yourself up so much over it. You're probably over it already. You're just beating yourself down over it. And you need to stop beating yourself down. Amen. Let's pray and go eat. (laughs) That's it. Covered it all. One of the things, though, that I have definitely seen in the last few years, definitely, is that people are hurting, and not just physically, but they're hurting in their soul. And I have never seen people that have been stuck in a cycle of offense, like I do now, just offended about everything. Even believers that are just, I'm offended, but I'm still going to believe God could do anything 
not even realizing that scripturally that just doesn't make sense because, yeah, God can still do anything, but literally by holding on to those offenses, we're keeping God from accessing our life. But we do that as a protection. We do that because that's our way of coping and dealing with things that hurt us to the place that we would even go against the very scripture that we believe in the attempt to find something that makes us feel better about what we're dealing with. And I believe that this is a chronic problem throughout all believers, throughout all churches, not just a church, but throughout all churches, where we have a brand of Christianity that has become more than a label than the very liberty that God has called us to walk in, y'all. And at some point, there is a face-to-face where we have to look in the mirror and say, God has so much more for my life than to be bound by this thing that's been there since I was in the sixth grade. I'm almost 60 now, and I'm still fighting that devil that Jesus went on the cross to defeat once and for all. Why am I still fighting with an enemy that is already defeated? And it's become so ramped up, people are reacting because of betrayal in their life and the anxiety. Like anxiety over just being a parent is higher now than it's ever been. And this has been happening. Y'all, people have been parenting for thousands of years. We got better technology and better tools and better stuff than ever. Why are we so stressed? Think about that. Why are we freaking out over all these things? And and we have to step back and say, yeah, why? Like in marriage, why, why are marriage problems so dominant when there are more marriage conferences than ever? And there's more education out there about how to have a good marriage? And there are, there, there, there are so many resources and tools. You can go online, help me save my marriage, and you will get a plethora of resources that will help you to save your marriage. And we will read through them, but watch what happens. Instead of applying the principles to our own lives, we try to give it to somebody else so that they will change instead of allowing God to work on some things within us that need to change. Can I tell you, your marriage problem isn't because of them. It's y'all. It is, man. It's you too. Look at your neighbor and tell them, it's you too. I just helped a marriage just now because a husband looked at his wife and said, it is you too. He's been taking a beating, man. I mean, she just been wearing him down. And he's been looking for a way to slide that in. Thank y'all for coming today. There are two words that have become very dominant in our culture today. Uh, the word triggered. And the word trauma. I heard, uh, I heard some middle school students the other day talk about some things that were triggering them. And I thought to myself, how do you even know to say that? And they were talking about, like, trauma. I'm like, you're 12. But you sound like a 29-year-old lady. Seriously, like, and, and I have to say this stuff because we're just going with the flow of culture. We're going with this flow of culture so much that we are allowing ourselves to adapt 
a victim mentality when Jesus said, you have the victory in him. And this has to be talked about because if you keep seeing yourself as a victim of something that has hurt you, you will never put yourself in the game. You will always stay on the sidelines. And this is what has happened. We're using victimhood as a way of drawing attention to ourselves because it's, it's making us feel valued from that attention that is coming to us. And so it's easier for me to jump on a social media platform to tell you everything that is breaking down in my life because what is it doing? It's helping to feed something in my soul, but here's the deal. My soul is hungrier and thirstier than just that comment that you dropped on my post. Because here, here's the thing. People aren't crying out right now because they're hurting. You said, come on, Pastor Wade, this is what we're trying to... People are crying out because they don't know where they're going to find healing. They're not crying out because they're hurting. They're crying out because they don't know where they're going to find healing. Now watch this, because i got to bring this up. I think about everyone that works in mental health and helps people with emotional health. And my heart goes out to them. Because they are overwhelmed. They are. This this was the question I was asking. Who do they go to? Because there is no way they can hear people bear their soul and it not affect them. Where are they going to to bear their soul? Where are they at? And I can tell you that that whole entire field is overloaded and maxed out. And listen, you must pray. For people who work in those fields, you must pray for them because the burden that they carry is so heavy because these are things that are unseen. These are not, oh, he's got a broken arm. Let's pray for them. A person with a broken soul has the capacity to cover it up for years and years and years, and no one would ever know. And we like to cover up using things like, I'm strong. And if you're a believer, just throw on there, in the Lord. And we limped into church but made it look like we were walking with swag. You know what I'm saying? But we were limping. And all I can think is, where are we going with all of this? I have never seen or heard in my life of so many people that are using medication to help them to cope with things emotionally that have happened in their lives, y'all. I have never seen so many people that are in counseling because they just can't figure out how to take that next step. And it's heartbreaking. It is. And if you're one of those people, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's hard. But the question I have to ask us as as believers, as men and women of God who have this hope in Jesus Christ, what are we going to do? Are we just going to walk down these paths and say, this is just my lot in life? This is how it's going to go for me? Or will we see that there is hope in Jesus that he can heal even the hard things in our lives? Even the emotional things that deeply scarred you. Can we believe that God can do anything? Can we take the words from a song like that and even apply it to those areas? Even those It's so much easier to pray for a friend who's walking through something. God, heal them in Jesus' name. But what about God? That one place in my life that I've given no one access to, that has hurt me over and over and over through the years, God, I need you to access that because I need healing there. 
You ever been to the doctor and they show you the pain chart? Y'all know the pain chart with the faces on it? I think we got it on the screen. Can we pop that up there? They, they have the pain chart and you go in. And, and it's funny because they'll ask the, like a kid, you know, hey, what's your pain level? And I don't know about you, but I've been asked that before. And I looked at the little chart and I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a one. I'm not a 10. And some of that's a little pride. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm not, not a 10. I can handle that. But, like, when you get between four and seven, right? Am I a four or a seven? I don't know. Now we start feeling like we're doing Enneagrams, you know? I don't know. What are you? I don't know. I'm like an eight. But I feel good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't, we don't have a clue. All these different numbers and all these different codes and all these different things that we're trying to figure out where we start. What do we do? And I want to share some things today that I think um, is going to help us. I think it's going to heal us. Um, doctors usually give people something for pain. Can somebody say amen? Some of y'all took an ibuprofen last night. You know what I'm saying? Um, a couple years ago, my dad was having some serious back issues, real serious. And many of you will remember whenever he would come, you could see uh, he couldn't even stand up straight. Um, it was becoming harder for him to work. I mean, it was becoming harder for him to walk. And that was difficult to watch because that's not the man that I know. The man that I know is like, let's take it home. No pain, no gain. Let's go. We'll, we'll hurt later. Right now, we got work to do. And um, so he had a series of these injections into his back, steroid injections, uh, to try to help bring some, some relief to mitigate the pain. And... Uh, it didn't work. But it's funny because they would say, well, come back and get another. So he had another. It didn't work. And then they would say, come back and get another. It's almost like, what are you guys up to here? You know what I'm saying? Come back and get another. It wasn't until he went in to a spine specialist and had surgery to correct what was wrong. And that's where things begin to change because now he can stand up straight now he can walk. Now we can work. And I just have this feeling, and I even wonder how many people are trying to manage and mitigate pain of their souls with a steroid injection of another relationship, with a steroid injection of alcohol, prescription drugs. I mean, we can just keep going down the list of all the different things that we're using to try to medicate, I'll, I'll even bring it on the spiritual side, another song, another sermon. And these things, this is all they can do. They can make you feel better. But I want you to know, just because you feel better doesn't mean that you're better. That just means in that moment, things seem okay. But hang tight, you may hurt again. And I just wonder how many people have been relying on the feeling of healing, come on, than the reality of it in their lives. And again, I must present this from the aspect that God can do anything. God can heal you, and he doesn't need us to try to make it all okay to verify his ability to heal. You know what I'm saying? Like, he is able to do it. I wonder how many times we've tried to put the Band-Aid on a broken soul. 
Like, I, I wonder how many things have we tried to use. That this, that's good for now. That's good for now. And so when you begin to think about everyone that works in these fields with mental health and emotional health and all these different things, can you see all of the different tactics and techniques they have to weave through to get down to the reality of what's really going on in our lives? Like, think about that. And I'm not, I hope it doesn't feel heavy in here. I'm just trying to help you to see this is where we're at, y'all. And it's going faster than what you think. And you may not be aware of it. You may not follow a bunch of stuff or pay attention to all this, but it's going faster than what you think. And, and many people believe that we're on the verge of a mental health crisis. And it's affecting marriages. It's affecting parents with their kids. It's affecting kids with their parents, man. Like, really, this stuff is, is happening. It feels like we're exhausted. Check what you say to people when they ask how you're doing. Hey, how you doing? This is usually our answers. Busy? Whew, tired, man. That's, that's standard. We used to give the courtesy answer. You know, how you doing? Good, man, good. No, nah, man, we got, because now we went through the authenticity movement. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And we just summed it up. I'm busy, which means my mind is running faster than what you can think. And I'm overwhelmed because it kept going all night last night. I'm tired. Well, you did nothing today. I know, but I'm tired. How are you tired when you did nothing? It's because it's running. It's running. And watch this. It's running because it's searching for healing. It's running because it is searching for healing. We read in... Um, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, when we started this series. It says, this is the word of the Lord, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And today we're talking about spiritual healing. And this is the healing that doesn't come from, quote, being strong. Because we've tried that. Right? Just going to be strong today. I'm going to bow up to it. This one comes in a different way. Because it doesn't come by might. It doesn't even come by willpower. I know. And trust me, you need some. But the healing that we need in our lives comes only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. In Romans 8, it says that if we suffer with Christ, we can be glorified with him. And this is challenging for us because, uh, you know, we have faith in God. And if I have faith in God, then God will keep me from suffering. Like that is kind of like this strong sense of faith that we have, that if I believe God, it's all going to be good and we will have nothing to worry about. And, and there's this feel in the church, in the Christian belief, that if we believe hard enough and grow strong enough in our faith, we will finally reach the place in our life where we will not have to worry about anything. Because we believe that there are certain believers within the church that are so strong in their faith that they don't worry about anything. Like, surely, Pastor Way doesn't worry about a thing. I was worried about this service today. I was worried if people were going to come. Can I just get real? 
I was worried when we added the chairs. Boy, that's going to look ridiculous. Put a bunch more chairs and no one's going to be there to sit in them. Everybody's going to think we're trying to stage something. Oh, you don't know the ideas that go through my mind. I have a creative mind. I'm a problem solver. I solve problems before they're even created. That is scary. You have no clue. I'm already fixing it before it even happened. And some of you are like, God is awesome. No, it is not. Can't even go to a restaurant to eat without looking at something and saying, yeah, they could do this and they could do that. Oh, I got to stop. I just want to eat. So whenever we start talking about, you know, suffering, we don't deal well with that because we just believe that God will never, ever, ever let me suffer. And can I be honest? There's parts of me that feels the same way too. But here's the issue with that. God allowed his one and only perfect, spotless, sinless son to suffer. And we have a belief system and a theology on everything except for suffering. So when it happens, we don't know what to believe. And that's why we struggle with it so much. Today, as we talk about spiritual healing, I want to talk about what we need to learn to do in our suffering. So there's two kinds of wounds, okay, I want to talk about today. The first one, I'm going to call them fatal wounds. Fatal. And this is a broad category, y'all. Very broad. And I'm really praying that this speaks to you. In fact, I'm praying that you find yourself in these things that we're talking about. Fatal wounds, these are wounds that are the results of words or actions that were against you. Fatal wounds. It's the result of words or actions that were against you. It could have been by another person or even it could have been yourself. And this is an important one to talk about because we would like to think we would never do anything to hurt ourselves, yet we do it every single day. You hurt yourself whenever you mouth off to that person. You think you're getting them. You're hurting you, but we don't look at it that way because I'm strong. Or, watch this, and I need you to see the, the, like how twisted and weaved into our lives it is. That's just my personality. And even though it's just your personality, your personality isn't going to cut it as an excuse when you stand in front of God and God says, okay, let's look over your life. Well, God, it was just my personality. <laughs> because really what we're saying is, Jesus, you're not stronger than my personality. And that's just not true. And I could go into this whole thing about how we got to be submitted to Jesus. And that means we need to come under his authority. But y'all don't like talking about authority. So we'll save that for another day. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, thank God. All right. So fatal wound. Maybe it was a sin that you committed or someone committed a sin against you. Or maybe it was a tragic event that occurred. Loss of a marriage. Loss of a child loss of family members, someone who passed away, loss of your health. Um, maybe you lost your job. Maybe you got robbed. You said, wait, what are you talking about? Man, our car was stolen several years ago. That was the most crazy feeling I've ever had in my life. I never felt so, like, invaded. I would have fought anybody. Seriously, I don't even know who I would have fought, but I would have fought because it just felt like something's wrong. Like, who... Don't come take my stuff, man. Y'all know what I'm talking about? 
And if that's how I felt with my car, how would I feel about other things that are even more valuable than that within my own life? You know what I'm saying? That's why I call these fatal wounds because this is what it feels like. It feels like something in you dies whenever it happens. It, like whenever that thing happened to you, and you know what the thing is because you just thought it as, as soon as I said it. When it happened to you, it's like something died in you. And you're like, Pastor Wade, this is extreme. No, it's not extreme. This is, this is the real stuff. Yeah. And, and like think of this. You were betrayed in a relationship, so your trust died. And not just your trust for that person, but you made the statement like this. I will never trust anyone again. But I'm going to go to prayer night, and I'm going to ask them to pray for me to have friends. Because I don't have any friends, and no one wants to be my friend. And we have no clue that we are literally, from the hurt, hurting ourselves. Because I will never trust anyone again. I will never do that again. Which is our mechanism. And that's not even healing. That's like a brace to walk with. And we've been walking with a brace for a long time. And Jesus is like, you were made to run. But we have braced ourselves because of those types of events. Whether we were hurt by our father, which is probably one of the biggest wounds ever in a person's life. By something he did or something he didn't do. And as a result now, we're walking with a limp. But like I said, we'll change it. And I'm, like, I'm just walking with swag, man. It ain't swag. It's suffering. It is. And why? That's the question. Why, why are we going to live that way when we can run, when we can be completely free? That's why I call these fatal wounds, because something in us dies. can't tell you how many marriages, whenever they have conflict, whenever something dies in the marriage, eventually, unless there's healing that takes place, the marriage is going to die. Because dead things decay, okay? And so we're trying to counsel the mess out of everybody. And counseling has become, show him how I'm right and how he's wrong. Or vice versa. And really the need is healing. And chances are the issues in that marriage had nothing to do with them. It was long before you. Yes. I'm not making excuses. I'm just explaining. But yet, it's easier to say it's your fault with anybody who has hurt you, whether it was in a marriage or a father or someone in authority, anything. It's easier to say it's your fault because what does that do? That puts me in a place where I don't have to deal with it. They need to deal with it. And I have a long list of ways that you can deal with it. Because I was reading up online the other day of all the different things. And I'm going to like subliminally post them on my Facebook. Because I'm trying to tell you. I'm not telling you in person. But I'm telling you on this post. And everybody's like, oh yeah, we can tell they're trying to tell somebody something. <laughs> Fatal wounds, man. Maybe it killed your security, your sense of security. Maybe it feels like he robbed you of your innocence, your trust, your ability to love. Maybe it's a business deal. And you were a successful business person, but you walked away because you got hurt by that person. And you said, I'm never doing that again. And you've struggled ever since. Walked away from a career because of one person 
in the entire organization. This is the stuff, man. And I'm again, I'm not trying to make this feel heavy. I'm just trying to tell you these are the real places, and they're fatal wounds, and you can feel that in the room right now, how fatal it is. Ah, oh, it's hard. And the results of it usually is things like guilt and shame and grief and anger. I'm not angry. You're angry. I'm not angry. You're angry. I am not angry. (laughs) Fatal wounds. The second type of wound, I will call them faithful wounds. Bet you never thought you were going to hear that. Faithful wounds. These are the wounds that were the result of words or actions that were for you. First one was against you. This one is for you. Could have been a friend, family member, parent, boss, teacher, coach, pretty much anybody. Faithful wounds are the wounds that are a result of someone showing or telling you the truth. And we didn't want to hear it. Because the truth means I got to change. And it's easier to make someone else feel like they got to change than for me to change myself. And it usually is an offense. Get offended. Hold a grudge. Pastors in this category all day long. We preached a message and you thought it was like singling you out exactly for you. Like I'm going to get them today. And got offended at the preacher because he said it because, oh, he was definitely thinking of me. There's a lot more going through my mind up here than you. (laughs) I love you, but I need you to know. There's one person that comes in my mind when I'm up here, I have to be honest, and it's her. That's pretty much it. Too bad if you wanted to get in there. I just don't have room. No room for you. But I want to talk about these faithful wounds for a second here because... um, These are good wounds. And we have a whole generation that doesn't know how to hear these because of the fatal wounds. There's a lot of people in this room right here, right now, as adults. You cannot handle faithful wounds because of the fatal wounds in your life. And so whenever you go to someone and ask them advice like about marriage and you're living with your girlfriend... And they say, hey, you probably shouldn't do that. You get offended and, like, want to run. That's a faithful wound, but that's a good kind of wound. Like, that, that's the stuff, y'all. But th- let's not talk about that. You know what I'm saying? Because we lift our hands in church, and that's great. Keep doing that. But, like, there are some faithful wounds that are actually good, and we've heard it before. The truth hurts. What's bad, though, is we like to use the truth to hurt people. You know the whole story whenever, who was it, Peter in the garden that chopped the soldier's ear off? He used the sword too many times. We're using the word of God, chopping people's ears off. Seriously. Because we like to be right instead of live right. And all of this, guys, all of this is so intertwined into these wounds. And Proverbs 27, 6 says, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Man, but we like the way the kiss makes us feel. So we'll just run with the enemy. And no wonder we're not finding healing in our lives. 
I want to jump to Isaiah 53, verse 5. Y'all go ahead and get that cross and set it up right here. Isaiah 53, this is a prophecy about Jesus and what he is going to do. And this is what it says. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Stop right there. What is a transgression? Don't look at them. You can look at me. It's fine. They know what they're doing. They're not going to fall. Transgression is a sin, either that you committed or someone committed against you. But it says he was wounded for our transgressions. Watch this. He was crushed for our wickedness, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing. The punishment required, watch this, for our well-being. And that's talking about the well-being of your soul. It fell on him and by his stripes, by his wounds, you and I are healed. By his wounds, we're healed. So as we're talking about spiritual healing, I need you to know that Jesus was wounded too. And we see the Easter story. Gosh, this could have been a great Easter message. When we see the Easter story, we see all of the events that took place from the movies that we have seen. And all we think of the physical toll that it took on Jesus, overlooking that he had to walk through rejection at a level that none of us have ever experienced. His closest people ran out on him. He dealt with more emotional and mental trauma than all of us have ever experienced. Within a matter of days, he faced it. He was wounded too. And the reality is this. Is that everything that has hurt you and everything that we have done that has hurt someone else and everything that we have done that has hurt ourselves that's what wounded him that's what wounded him and the punishment that Jesus took tells you how ugly all of it is and how strong and powerful every last bit of it is but he paid that price so that healing could flow into your lives so when he takes the crown of thorns on his head blood flowed and that crown of thorn pierced into his head that was for every one of those thoughts, every anxiety and stressful thought you've ever had, every worry that you've ever had. Jesus endured the suffering of all of it compounded upon him. All the sin of mankind compounded on him. And one moment on the cross, he bore the weight of all of it. And that crown of thorns and the blood began to flow across his face and the blood that was flowing was the life that you and I needed for the healing of every stress and every worry and every anxiety and every thought that you're not good enough every thought that you can't do it every thought that it's all going to fall apart every thought that oh my God the world's coming to an end Jesus went to the cross and when he took the crown he made a way for healing to flow for every stripe that was on his back whenever they took and 
they, they ran the whip across his back. The stripes on his back was the price paid for every sickness and every disease so that we could be healed. This isn't just an idea. It isn't just a magic trick. There was a price that was already paid by Jesus Christ himself so that you and I can walk in freedom. And it's time for the believers to stand up and say, he did it for me. It was my sin that wounded him. But it is his price that he's paying that is going to heal me. It was the stripes on his back, the nails in his hands and feet was for every action of sin that you and I have committed or every action of sin that has been committed against us. The pierced side was for every wounded and broken heart and blood and water flowed from every spot on his body and the blood and water that flowed is the blood that gives life. It brings healing and it flowed from his body and his blood now is free for all of us to receive so that we can be healed and not just healed be made whole remember what we said when we started present pain future glory so hear this today God isn't asking you to suffer for him that is a very prideful thought but he isn't asking you to suffer for him. This is what he's asking you to do. Suffer with him. Can I, can I back up to the verse? But if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that will be ours. Spiritual healing takes place when I connect my suffering with his. Now watch this verse in Romans eleven seventeen. Don't leave, don't move, please hang tight. And if some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them became a partaker of the root and the fatness the life of the olive tree. And this is what the Lord showed me. We're all like those branches that have been broken. And we feel like we're running out of life. And anything, man, that can make it green, make it look like it's alive. Took the trip, took the pictures, created memories. It makes us look like we're alive but come home and fight like we never went. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Why? Because we're, 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 we're looking for anything that shows that there is still life in the marriage, that there is still ability in the kids, that there is still some kind of hope. We're, we're looking for anything that has life. And I'm suffering, and we don't know how to suffer, so most of the time we suffer in silence. Or most of the time we suffer out loud and we just tell everybody everything about our suffering and we share way too much with the wrong people. And they tell us all too much the wrong things. What are we going to do? If we can be grafted in, we can receive nourishment from the tree. The branch is broken, but in order for there to be a grafting, the tree must also be broken 
The cross is the tree of brokenness where Jesus was broken for you and for me. So that in our brokenness, we bring it to him. In our suffering, we bring it to him. And we connect it. We commit to it. We allow him to wrap it. And because we're grafted into the tree, healing begins to flow in our lives. Watch this. This is what the enemy's been doing. Get good enough and then you can go there. You, you got to get better. Once you get better, then you can get involved. You got to get better. Then you can get closer to Jesus. I can't go to Jesus like this because I don't want him to see me broken. He's already broken. And he opens the door for you and I to come in our brokenness and pray prayers like this. Watch, I'll give you an example. Jesus, I was hurt by this person. They abused me when I was a child. I've tried to be stronger than this thing for years and act like it never happened. But I know you took the abuse of men on the cross. So today, I come to you with my brokenness. And I come together with your brokenness so that healing can flow from the tree of life into me. And what's so hard about that prayer our pride doesn't want us to pray it because our pride doesn't want anyone to know that we're broken. It wants everyone to know that we put ourselves back together again. But really all of that is just an image. And one of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not have any images before me. So in our suffering, not being strong is surrender. Many of you have prayed about it, but you never gave it to him. And now it's recycled in your life. It just looks different. We won't commit because the last time we committed, that thing happened. And so now we got to take it easy, slow down, don't get too far. But yet it's a biblical principle. Today, you can be healed. Spiritual healing goes beyond the mind. I know, I know, I just lost half of you. It goes straight to the soul, and it's a work of God that only he can do. You have the communion right there. And so hard about doing communion is it's so traditional that many of us will sit here today. I want you to listen. Many of us will sit here today. And, oh, I'm glad we're doing communion. We don't do communion enough. I know. It's so out of tradition. It makes us like feel more spiritual whenever we do this stuff. But you know what communion is? Communion, it reminds you of the brokenness of Jesus on the cross. 
because the bread represents the body and the juice represents the blood. And when you and I participate in communion, this is what we're doing. We are being reminded of what Jesus did on this cross that purchased and paid for and guaranteed healing in every one of us. Every one of us, whether it is physical, mental, or emotional healing that is needed, it's been paid for already on the cross. Whenever we receive communion together, we are reminded that it's paid for, but we're also reminded that I've got to be grafted in. There's a difference. A lot of people come to church, but they're not grafted in. And if the healing didn't happen in that service, then it ain't real. Come get grafted in and let the life flow in you for a little while. Amen? That's called commitment. That's what that does. And it will change over time. As we receive communion today, and I really felt like the Lord wanted to do this for ministry time. And I pray that this is much more than tradition for you today. In fact, this is what I want you to do right now with your head bowed, your eyes closed. We're going to eat the communion. Just hang tight. I know. You're ready. Like, give it to me. But I want you to go to that place where it hurts you. That divorce that affair, the abuse, the betrayal, the loss of that loved one, that day that you got fired, and I want you just to yourself. Say what it is and say, Lord, I bring whatever it is, I bring it to you. I bring it to you today. That thing that sparked the addiction. That thing you did during the addiction that affected that person bring it to him today Father today in our brokenness we come to you and we look upon the cross and we see your brokenness and we bring these things to you the things that have pained our souls, the things that have overwhelmed our mind, the things that have determined our moods, that has affected our decisions, that has fed our fears, that has overwhelmed us with worry, that has kept us awake at night, that is messing with our own physical health. We have tried everything in our strength, God everything in our power to try to get this to stop, to break it, to be better, but it's not stopping. But we know your word says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. 
And Jesus, today, we bring our wounds. And we want to be grafted into the tree that brings healing, that brings life to every one of these spots in our lives. So, Father, right now, I ask you to bring healing. Right now, I ask you to bring healing for broken hearts, for overwhelmed minds, for souls that are just exhausted. I ask you today, Father, to penetrate the hardest of hearts, to lift up, Father, the heavy souls and bring healing. As we receive this communion today, God, I pray that it will be much more than tradition. But I pray, Father, it will be the reality of what you did for us, Jesus, on that cross. That the brokenness brought healing. The brokenness brought healing to our minds, to our lives. Your word says, by your stripes we were healed. And today, I thank you. I stand for it. I claim it over every person in this room, every person watching. Healing in the mighty name of Jesus. Healing in the name of Jesus. Strongholds being broken in Jesus' name. Strongholds being torn down in the mind that makes people feel unworthy and unloved. Healing flow in our minds. Healing flow in our bodies to renew every cell, every bone, every muscle, every nerve, every tendon. In our minds to redeem every memory. hear the Lord saying there's people in this room that have to forgive some people there's some forgiveness that needs to take place I'm not necessarily telling you you need to call somebody and go have a face to face conversation I think you need to make the decision right here right now I forgive them and I release them and I'm no longer going to hold it against them And many of you, it's your father. He left. He treated you wrong. Someone in authority built a stance on it completely. And today the Lord said, just forgive him. Father, as we receive this communion together, let us receive it worthy in our hearts. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your life and shedding your blood for our forgiveness and for our healing. We are reminded of your covenant today. And as we receive this, God, I pray for healing to flow. Jesus took the bread, he passed it to his disciples, and he said, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and it was filled with wine, and the wine would represent the blood of Jesus that was poured out through his suffering so that you and I could be covered. So when God sees us, he no longer sees your sin, but he sees the blood of his son. And the blood of his son brings redemption and restoration.
forgiveness and healing for all of our sins. Not just the sins that you committed, but even the sins committed against you. As you drink this today, know that you're drinking from the cup of forgiveness, the cup of healing today. Father, just like Jesus passed that cup to his disciples, today we drink this and remember the blood that was shed for us. Quietly, will you stand to your feet this morning? Just right here, I just want you to lift your hands and worship to God. I know, I know, we're going to go in a sec. Just stay in this moment, though. And I want you right here, because a minute ago, you said, God, I'm coming to you broken. But I want you to take this moment right here with your hands raised and say, God, I'm thanking you for my healing. And I even want you to say it to yourself. I am healed. In that area where you were hurt, I want you to say it. I am healed in the name of Jesus. I'm healed. See, many of us, we've just been trying to stop hurting. But Jesus said, you're healed. Father, I thank you today that your love is healing. Your love is healing. The love of the Father is healing you today. Here at Sons and Daughters, the love of the Father is healing you today. Allow the love of the Father to fill your heart. Allow the love of the Father to restore that trust. Allow the love of the Father to cover you. You don't have to figure it all out on your own. You got covering now. It's the Father. Just thank Him for it. 